The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. All right, welcome to the Chronic Podcast Midweek Edition. I'm your host, Ralph Marlboro, and we are joined by Andrew Juge of the Saints Nation, Kevin Held from Akeem Drops the Ball, and semi-semi-semi-semi-semi-pro wrestling fame. And our fearless leader, Dave Cariello, is waiting in line to get into the end to the Hernandez trial uh, because the Patriots tight end got uh, charged with murder and about five counts of having illegal guns and covering up evidence and that sort of thing. Um, All right, there's not too much Saints news to talk about, guys, but we're going to start with a topic that we did a couple weeks ago. We started nominations, but we're going to wrap it up and get the final of it, and that's Bizarro Saints Mount Rushmore, where we just, somebody brought it up on Twitter, where it's just people that either our negative thoughts that the Saints fans have. We didn't really dis- we didn't really describe the criteria. Or maybe we, I, we did, and I just can't remember. But Andrew, let's get it started. Nominate somebody for Bizarro Saint Mount Rushmore and make your case. Well, I, before we even get started, I think it was unanimous amongst the three of us that Aaron Brooks was a shoe in. Yes, yes, yes. Kevin. Oh yeah, I I would concur with that. Yeah. Okay. So I I mean I not, I nominate Aaron Brooks and we all I mean he he's a lock and and I introduce as evidence only his backwards pass to Wayne Gandy. Yeah. Oh, um, and that that alone should seal the deal for um for Aaron Brooks. So so he's in. So really we're just talking about three players or three mm-hmm. three people. Um and you know I, I view that as it can be anything players, coaches, whatever. I actually did a bizarro <laughs> Mount Rushmore on my site uh, a couple weeks ago, so I, I've already got my four picks locked in. But um, so the first guy I'll nominate is Tom De- Tom Dempsey, the kicker, and it, it's kind of perfect because if you look back at the first, I'd say twenty twenty five years of Saints history, um, that was the number really one the, moment, baby. Yeah, the number one <laughs> moment was. It, it's kind of ironic because the best moment. Um, is a 63-yard field goal, the broken NFL record. It was done by a guy with a mutant foot, so it can't even be done by a guy that looks normal, right? It's got to be, it's got to be a mutant that pulls this off. And while there was the NFL record and the excitement of, of the longest kick in NFL history at the gun, winning the game for the Saints, it also had the added bonus of costing them the number one pick. So, um, <laughs> of course, the classic Saints. Who would have been um, the know, number one? Who was the number one pick that year? By the way, was it was Detroit. it? I think it was Detroit. But who who what what year was it? it let me look it oh, up. Oh, that's a good question. I couldn't tell. Yeah, you uh-huh. might want to look that up real quick. I'll keep talking. You look that up. Okay. And uh, get back to us. But uh, but so anyway, I, I find it ironic that there there has to be, of course, um, pain with with pleasure when it comes to the Saints' history, especially in the '80s. 
Um, and lastly, you know, Dem- so Dempsey is kind of a famous guy, and he, he's burned into the minds of Saints fans forever, even though he kicked with the Saints for two seasons with a pathetic conversion rate on field goals of 53.3%. So yeah. basically he was complete garbage. And uh, Well, but- that's not actually, though, in the 19th, that was like probably like slightly above average for kickers. Remember, kicking there, the, the whole soccer-style kicker had just come on, and most teams were like, oh, that's soccer-style kicking. That's weird European bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so kicking was still like a – it was still like if you could bang in 50% of them, it was okay. I mean, it what Tom Dempsey – he wasn't like he wasn't he wasn't terrible. He was probably Ralph. Ralph. He could never be confused with good. Not good, but I would say like average. He was like an average okay. NFL kicker, I think. Well, they, he, he was good enough the last two seasons with the Saints before they moved on. Cut him. So obviously he wasn't that special. But uh, so I nominate Tom Dempsey, kicker um, extraordinaire with half a foot and his half shoe in the NFL Hall of Fame. Um, and his record stands today, although it's been tied twice. Uh, Kevin, uh, do you have any objections to Tom Dempsey? Uh, it's weird. It's I don't know. I feel weird calling him a mutant, even though it's funny. Um, it's not negative. It's like X Men, you know. And, I mean, you know, he did have, I mean, that was the highlight of the fucking Saints era of, of the Saints history for for decades. Not, not, not years, not a decade, decades. I mean, there's a famous, there's a famous ongoing joke that, uh, that the guy at NFL Films, and sadly I'm blanking on his name, the, 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 the poor man who died last year, um, there's a famous clip on on uh, NFL Films, and you can look it up on YouTube, where they're showing... Uh, Steve Sable? The, yes, Steve Sable, uh-huh. where they're showing the racks of film, the old, old uh, film, and they're like, okay, here's the rack of, of the great Packers highlights, and here we have the racks of the great Steelers highlights, and the great 49ers highlights, and the Cowboys highlights, and even here... And any you know shows some team I don't know like the fucking Chargers or whatever, and then they're like, well what's this? And they point to a shelf that only has one spool of film on it. And he's like, oh, oh, this is the uh, the Saints' best plays in team history. It's Tom Dempsey on the loop. I'm sure I'm sure that's what it was. But and then they move on, and it's still funny. It's funny, you know. It, you know, if I live to be a hundred, that'll still be funny. And so. You know, the guy's kick was pretty much it. I mean, I know Archie, everybody fucking loves Archie, but Archie was getting pounded, uh, you know, pounded like a jobber, essentially, and he deserved better, obviously, but fuck, man. Tom, Tom Dempsey and his mutant foot was basically the best we had going for us for a long-ass time. Yeah, and the interesting thing is, Andrew, that kick cost the Saints the number one pick, they picked number two in 1971 because of that, and they selected one Archie Manning. Oh wow! So if Tom Dempsey so who, wait, who went first? Plunkett, J. 
Jim Plunkett. Oh, Jim Plunkett, uh, Super Bowl champion quarterback, Jim Plunkett. Yeah, but he was a disaster when he played for the Patriots, though. True, true. Yeah, he, so, he got better with the Raiders. But it's just, he it, it's, Super Bowl to the Raiders, right? Yeah, but it's just interesting, you know, if, if Dempsey misses that kick, maybe the Saints take Archie number one anyway because he's from Ole Miss and it's people, know, you know, and they think like they can sell tickets and people knew Archie from being from, you know, from because he's closer than Jim Plunkett out in Stanford. So maybe they take Archie anyway, but it's an interesting sort of what if scenario. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. (laughs) I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate, how a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word, Broomgate. I wasn't going to nominate, I wasn't going to agree, but I I think for the, for the bizarro Mount Rushmore, I think Tom Dempsey's got to be on there. So I'm going to vote yes for that as well. I think I think you know we we talk about the definition and how there's m- many different ways that you can arrive on this list and the only criteria as far as I'm concerned is you can't be in the discussion for the actual Saints Mount Rushmore. So as long as you weren't even questionably good enough to be on that, yeah, um, which I think rules out a guy like Archie Manning, even though he's not on there. Um, I, I think th- this. Tom Dempsey's whole thing, costing the Saints the first round, the first overall pick, making the longest kick in history, winning their second. I think I was they went two and fourteen instead of one and fifteen thanks to that kick. Um, so I just think that all, I mean, all of that plus having half a foot, you mix that all together, and, and that's like that would be in the dictionary as bizarre. Like that, that would be the definition of the word bizarre. So. Yeah. Um, I, I, based on that, I just don't see how anyone else could fit that better. Well, Kevin, do you agree with? I mean, it, it's it'd be is it unanimous that Dempsey's on there, Kevin? No, no it, I, it's gonna it'll just be two to one. I, I'm gonna go against it. Okay. Well, I'm gonna nominate somebody now, um, and, and I think he's got to be on there because he embodies the fail of the Saints of all through the 1970s and into the 80s, just the the, the complete ineptitude of the Saints. Yeah, someone has to be the face. I agree. 
and, and that face is Russell Erksleben, kicker, University of Texas. The Saints had gone 8-8 eight and eight in 1979. Their defense was atrocious. And their thinking was, you know what? We're really okay on defense. What we need is a uh, kicker that can kick and can punt and can do all these things. And being a Saints uh, history nerd that I am, um, uh, actually, you know what? It's not the it's 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 the seventy nine. It's not the eighty draft because in the eighty draft they picked. They picked Stan Brock. It's the seventy nine. It's it's it was the year before. It was the it was the seventy nine draft, which actually uh, makes it better case for my uh, my case for him because he uh, it, he's still in the seventy, so it embodies all the fail in the seven. They picked him, Kevin. They picked him number fucking eleven. Okay, and yep. let's. I'm gonna throw out the next. Uh, two guys that they passed on to pick Russell Erksleben. They passed on Charles Alexander, running back LSU. Oh. They, they, they passed on Kellen Winslow, tight end, Missouri. Oh. And if you're like, well, they, they had a good running back and they had a good tight end, they need some defense. Um, They passed on Marty Lyons for the Jets, who ended up being a decent... Um, Defensive end. Uh, and they also pack, passed on another Jets guy, Mark Gastineau, who would have been good oh. for, you know, oh. a good pass rusher for Russell Erksleben. And you know what makes it worse? Just on the uh, – Russell Erksleben, as a kicker, I'm no expert on kicking. But, Andrew, if you have back problems when you're a kicker, wouldn't that be a bad thing? Russell Erksleben had back problems at the Senior Bowl, and a couple of teams failed him on physicals, and the Saints took him anyway. And to me, when you say Russell Erksleben to almost any Saints fan, but especially a Saints fan of a certain age, they just look at you with the sad, disgusted look on their face. And to me, that's why Russell Erksleben has got to be on the Bizarro Mount Rushmore, because he embodies the fail of the Saints perfectly in almost every way. So, uh, Andrew, do you agree or do you disagree? I absolutely agree with everything you said up until the point where you said Russell or Slavin is the face. He definitely gets an honorable mention for me. and He's in the discussion for sure, but he was with the Saints for such a short amount of time. Um, you know, I mean, they, throughout the course of the team's history, they've had numerous horrible draft busts. I mean, you can you can pick a one one draft pick from each coaching staff they've had, including Sean Payton, and there's been some some real just terrible picks. Um, so, for me, the the face of of that whole period is John Meekum Jr. And, and you know, when he oh, yeah. sold. Yeah. When he sold the Saints uh, to Benson, I mean, say what you will about Benson, that was the best thing that could ever happen to the Saints. And and look, we talk about the Saints' ineptitude. We talk about the the fact that they were the laughing stock of the league for 
um, from their inception really to the mid-80s. And I'll throw this stat out. In 18 years of ownership, 18 years, Ralph, they went 8-8 eight and eight twice. So they had 500 records twice, and every other year was a losing season. So in 18 years of ownership, not once did they have a winning record, and only twice did they reach 500. So when you talk about the Saints' ineptitude, it starts from the top and trickles all the way down. If you've got to put a face, it's got to be Meekum and the decisions that he made on a consistent basis that um, just absolutely killed any chance for that franchise to be successful. He's a really good choice. He's a really good choice, Kevin. The thing that, that is sort of mind-blowing that I, I think people don't realize about John Meekum is when he bought the Saints with his dad's oil money, he was 26 years old. I mean, that is that is just it. It blows my mind. It's it, I don't know what the '60s were, but I just it. I guess football wasn't it wasn't nearly the big businesses now. I just can't picture NFL owners when they're picking who's going to own this expansion team. They're like, yeah, let's let's let the oil tycoon let's let his son own the team. Like it just, Kevin, it just that just. It boggles my mind. I can't wrap my head around it. Well, you're asking the wrong fucking guy to make <laughs> sense of something like that, man. I mean, fuck, 26? 26? I, I, I think I moved back into my, my parents' house when I was 26. So, fuck, man. My dad's got oil money. I'm going to buy a football team. Oh, you Dad, I need eight. I need eight million. <laughs> yeah, Pops, Pops, look, I, I need some money. So check the couch cushion, son. Okay, here's a couple hundred thousand. Terrible. Yeah, Absolutely and, terrible. And, and the, the thing... That he, you know what? You know what? Just get, look, I knew dick about what John, Me- John Meacham was all about. I just knew he was a terrible fucking team owner, and he was the son of an oil man. That was enough reason for me to hate him. The fact that it was 26, and the fact that it was really his dad that fucking bought the team for him, that makes me hate him even more. <laughs> the, and the, the, the fucking rich people, kids, unfucking believable. Get a job, you shithead. And the, the thing, Andrew, that ma- by the, way. the thing that made it almost doomed from the start is that because John Meekum was twenty six, because his his dad had you know given him the money to buy the team. My father always said the Saints never mattered to John Meekum. It was his toy. And that was – my father wasn't a, a big sports fan, but that was the core of the matter. Like it didn't matter if the Saints won or lost to John Meekum. He was filthy rich, and if the Saints – if he was entertained by them, it was fun. If they lost a close game, it was fun. And – even rich people that buy sports teams that it isn't their main business, they've made a shit ton of money other places. So, like, say Edward DeBartolo for the 49ers. Yeah, he had made a shit ton of money working with his dad, building malls everywhere, but he had been a big part of it. And he cared really, really passionately about the 49ers. He wanted them to win. He invested a ton of money in them. John Meekham did no such thing, and it just... 
it just it never he never really gave a shit about him and I, I just it just he's 26. Bog, I, I'm speechless, Andrew. It just boggles my mind. <laughs> so I'm voting against Eric Clavin back here. Okay, you're back voting here. against Eric Clavin. So, yeah. So, so Kevin, already got a kicker. I don't, I don't want two kickers in bizarre amount. So oh, Kevin, but it would be that would sum up the Saints perfectly. I, I, you know what? Sure. Let, let me say I I totally I hear what you're saying, Ralph. But I tell you what, I, there are far more worthy ass motherfuckers <laughs> to go on this goddamn thing than Russell Archley. Look, I know that 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 when I think Archley, that I think pounded license plates in uh, in prison. <laughs> But I'm telling you, there are other guys going on this fucking list. I mean, look, if we're gonna put if we're gonna put mutant foot on the list, then we can't have another fucking kicker on the list. I mean, personally, I think that there's other guys that that I got other guys that can go on. The okay, list. well, not well. Then we got Aaron Brooks and we got mutant foot, Tom Dempsey. So Kevin, nominate somebody else. All right, I got, I got, I got this. Wait, are we voting? Right. Are we voting against Meekum? Oh yeah, we got. I, I vote. I vote for Meekum. 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 I think Meekum's got to be on there. I'm voting against him because let me tell you, by the end of this, we're gonna end up. Where I think <laughs> we're gonna end up taking taking Newton foot down. All right. Well, let's keep I think nominating. We're end up All right. Maybe. Okay. So. So we Meekum's not on there. So Kevin, nominate somebody. Right. All right. This son of a bitch was drafted in the first round in the two thousand and three draft. Uh oh. The Saints fucking traded up to get him. And what did they use to trade up? Two picks. Two first round picks. To get this guy. Yeah. Oh, fucking he was fucking... They shipped him the fuck out of town in three years to the Patriots, and they got shit value for it. They got pennies on the fucking dollar. He got... It was one a and conditional seventh-round pick. One and a half sacks in three years. He had a sack? This guy... When did that, that many? Eight, <laughs> yeah, I was going to say that many. <laughs> this motherfucker ate himself off the team. Reporters in the legitimate media routinely Trademark. would write about and talk about how this prick would be seen eating at the at the buffet with the media before or after a game. I'm talking about none other than Jonathan Sullivan, defensive tackle out of Georgia. Whew. It's a that's a strong pick. That's a strong pick, because a it is. is strong, Ralph. It is, Andrew. You, you do you vote yay or nay on that one? I mean, he, I think he's, he might be the worst pick. I mean, he, he's definitely up there he, with Eric Slaven. He is right in the mix for the worst pick, Saints draft pick in team history. Yeah, when you throw in the and, when you throw in the trade up for him. Yeah, and, and you know the story that I've heard about him that was most unbelievable actually has nothing to do with the saints or being on the field or anything like that. Um, I had heard that um, when he, you know, he obviously had a nice signing bonus. So he had a really nice house. I think it was in Kenner and 
when he was traded to the Patriots, obviously he put the uh, the house for sale. It was a really nice house, and so obviously he was getting a lot of looks. And uh, the real estate agent went in there, um, obviously, to, you know, look look around, maybe poke and prod and, and see how she could market the place a little bit better, spruce it up, and, and make it look nice for showing. And she op- – I mean, obviously the place was a dump, and it was totally not you – know, it needed to be cleaned and look like shit. But she opened the cabinet, and instead of there being, you know, ni- nicely arranged, you know, boxes of cereal or um, silverware or whatever – there, there were literally like candy wrappers and like garbage and just like random assortments of, of, of just clutter that were just stuffed into the various cabinets in his kitchen. So literally like this guy couldn't even take care of himself. I mean, it, he had this beautiful home and it was just, I mean, he just treated it like a dump. So, um, I mean, that, that to me, that tells you all you need to know about the guy. And, and that was, for me, the strangest part of it. Um, you know, there's there's some guys, there's some other guys, though, that I feel like, um, he, he, he just sucked. He did. Um, I, I feel like there's some more entertaining picks than that. So I'm going to vote against him. I'm going to vote against him. Uh, but God damn, if he doesn't, if he doesn't, sort of tie into the whole Jim Hazlitt era of ineptitude, um, you know. Oh, he's the poster child. He is. I mean, it. that's just, uh, you know. Um, I'm going to nominate a guy. He wasn't a failure, but I just feel like if you're talking bizarro Mount Rushmore, you got to at least have in the we got to have the conversation about Ricky Williams because the Saints traded the whole draft for him. Ditka made it a show and a fiasco with the cover on ESPN. Uh, and he ended up being um, okay with the Saints. He, he broke through in Miami and the Saints actually got extra draft picks for him, which they traded for Sullivan. Uh, but I, I would say Ricky. I would say I nominate Ricky Williams, and it's it's not necessarily a strong case for him, but I think we got to have that discussion, Kevin. Well, I'm going to vote against him, and I'm going to say, look, if we were if we're going to take anybody from uh, from that Ricky Williams debacle, I wouldn't wouldn't you then have to say, well, then clearly it has to be Ditka or or uh, or who the hell was the GM then, Randy Mueller? Herrick. Billy Kuharik. Well, yeah, well, we could do a double nomination at the same time. You can vote for either one of them. I, I would say, Kevin, you convinced me. I would say then I'll I'll change my vote. I'll vote for Dit. I I vote and nominate Mike Ditka. I could get. I, I mean, I could get behind that because he came in with a lot of hype and just flamed out immediately and stuck around for fucking it it seemed like he stuck around forever but what was it two years or three it years three. he fucking hung around it was three it was yeah. only three but god it felt like ten yeah <laughs> and bad move after bad move bad draft moves bad quarterback moves the whole deal yeah it, the thing with Ditka is I, I never understood I, I, 
I knew in my heart that Ditka was a failure. I was excited when they got him, but I knew in my heart he was a failure when he wanted Heath Schuler to be his quarterback. That's when I knew I'm like he just he 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 doesn't he's clueless. I've never come close to playing a down in football, done anything in the NFL, and I know that Heath Schuler is a big bag of turds. And I don't know why the Saints want him. <laughs> and yet they did, Andrew. So I'm going to vote no on Ditka, but uh, 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 but I, 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 it's just it's an interesting choice, Andrew. Your thoughts? Well, I so I mean I'll go ahead and tell you what my four picks on my side were, just so you guys know that. Okay. Um, so obviously Brooks and Dempsey, uh, Meekum was my third, and then Ditka was my fourth. And so I, I kind of like that list because I had two players, a coach, and an owner. Um, so I mean I, I feel like this list at least at least one coach belongs on this yeah. list. And so, you know, as I was thinking about the coaches, you know, Bum Phillips and Hank Stram were two guys that came to mind. Um, both that had a lot of success in the NFL, um, but were complete failures and flops with the Saints. And Ditka is, is right up there with those two. Um, as a guy that came in with you a know, big name, had some promise and he just completely I, failed. I, but I would, I would, I would say, it's unfair to compare Ditka to Bum because Bum, at least for the Saints, he had them on the precipice of getting to the playoffs. They were 8-7 and seven and had the lead against the Rams in 83, and Lansford broke their heart. And literally, Bum Phillips doesn't necessarily admit it, but Wade Phillips will tell you that loss literally crushed his father because he wanted to turn around the Saints so bad. Like that that loss yeah. literally broke the man's heart. And yeah, fucking Carney Lansford. Yeah, and uh I just feel like it's not a it's not a fair you can say Bum was a failure with the Saints, but don't compare him to Ditka because Ditka never yeah, that's, even that's got fair. to Saints. No, no, well I mean I did I did end up picking Ditka as my coach. Yeah. And, and look, he, here's the thing. Uh you know there's the Ricky Williams draft uh, there's Alex Molden, there's Vaughn Dunbar, there's Chris Naoli. Um, if you want to go to the free agent signings, you know, there's Billy Joe Tolliver, Billy oh. Joe Hobart, Heath Schuler. Oh. I mean, just a, a litany of, of just god-awful pickups during that entire time. Um, you know, the most notable decision for him was obviously Ricky Williams, which he is attached at the hip to. Um, you know, that, that, that's that's the poster child of his era um, and him trading basically an entire draft pick um, and roughly, roughly I think, nine players for Ricky Williams. And so um, – and then, you know, there's the ridiculous picture of him next to Ricky Williams in a wedding dress, which for me is the clincher. Um, but, you know, lastly – and this is really depressing to me and that I was not able to find this on YouTube. I seriously spent about 90 minutes on YouTube. <laughs> But with, with every search term I could look for just to try to find footage of this. Um, but the end of the, you know, the, the Mike Ditka era with the Saints was crash and burn pretty much the whole way. Um, and it was two bad seasons followed by a third season, which was complete implosion. And I'll never forget the the end of that era, and it, which just ended so abruptly and just so perfectly. It was like a train colliding, uh, two trains colliding. And, 
It was Ditka being heckled by Saints fans, walking into the tunnel and then screaming at him, and then his whole body just going almost into a spasm as he grabbed his junk and just looked <laughs> at the fan and flipped his middle finger while grabbing his balls as hard as he could, and his 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 whole body basically just contorting with into a seizure, and it was just the most disturbing sight I have ever witnessed in my life, and it's just it's just that whole sequence of events which only took about a second and a half is permanently burned and etched into my brain and memory. For I life. think I think that was I want to say Andrew that was the halftime. Of yes, the, it was at halftime. Of the Tennessee Titan game where they got down by the goal line and completely fucking botched it and couldn't even get a field goal in a first half that they actually played really, really well against Tennessee. Uh, it might have even been the year Tennessee ended up going to the Super Bowl. And instead of being up 13-3 to three or whatever, they it was tied at three. It was just like it, – it was just completely Saints fuckitude. Um, and he – Going to the locker room, just like like you said, grabbed his junk and and saluted the fans. Um, <laughs> so based on based on that, yeah, Ditka was in for me. So. Kevin, your thoughts? Uh, um, God, uh, I feel like oh man, we gotta have a coach. We gotta have a coach. I know, I know, and and I yeah, and I tell you what, I can nominate a coach after this that might might be worse in Saints history than Mike Ditka, and would meet your requirements. So I'm going to vote no on Ditka. Okay, so nominate this coach. I'm interested to hear who it is. All right, let me uh, let me look up some of this fuckhead stats <laughs> because let me tell you something. This deserves to be fucking noted here. All right, so as an assistant coach and then as a head coach, this guy this guy somehow lucked his fucking way into being a coach in college in the 70s, to being a pro coach in the 80s and the 90s and the 2000s. I think I know where you're going. His head coaching record, his head coaching record in college was one win, 31 losses, and one tie. His NFL career as a head coach was two wins and 17 losses. He was never a head coach. He was always an assistant or an ill. Yes, I am talking about Rick fucking Venturi. <laughs> this guy could coach a fucking defense if you gave him Deacon Jones and Lawrence Taylor and Ray Lewis in their primes. People love him. He would have found a way to fuck that up royally. He had and a- the reason that I am so fucking passionate about this is that guess where Rick Venturi resides Same today? Book. St. fucking Louis, where he was an assistant coach from 06 to 08 in the, in, under those illustrious teams and coaches. Newsflash, they were fucking trash. And guess what? He got a fucking radio job 
he got a fucking radio job up here on sports radio, and you know what they call him? The coach. Oh. The coach. And they defer to his expertise all the fucking time, and it makes me sick. It makes me sick to my goddamn stomach, because this guy fucking ruined, <laughs> ruined the fucking Saints. As a as an assistant and an interim and all that kind of horse shit. This was guy he worse than Spagnuolo? was atrocious. Was he, he was with the Saints from he was with the Saints in ninety six, ninety seven, ninety eight, ninety nine, two thousand, and two thousand and one. Yeah, oh yeah, he was with the Saints from ninety six to two thousand and five. You know what the funny thing about Venturi was, and that I could never understand, and Buddy D used to make this joke about him, was that. The people in the Saints fucking in the building love the guy. In fact, Benson, when he dropped the bomb on Ditka and fired Ditka and the whole staff and fired Q. Herrick, fired the whole front office, sent them all on their way. Venturi stayed. You know? Venturi took him with him to St. Louis. Yeah, so people love the guy. People love. He must the be guy. the nicest. He must be the nicest fucking guy on the planet Earth, or the biggest fucking stooge. If if you told me either or, it wouldn't surprise me. It I wouldn't bet, surprise I me. I bet you he's just a nice guy, and people are like, man, he can't be. Ah, but it's Rick, man. We, you know, he's not as good a coach, but ah, he's a Rick. You know, we got to keep him around. He buys the donuts. You know. I'm going to – oh, God. that's Andrew, I'm going to – I want you to vote before I vote on Venturi. That's a tough one. Uh, you know, we got to have a coach, and, I mean, Kevin is just so passionate, and I love the the, the passion behind it. So I'm going to vote yes. I mean, we have to have a coach, and I, it's, yeah. just, it's so funny that Venturi survived the Dick era somehow. And made it onto the Hazlitt staff. And when when was he interim? Was he interim during the Hazlitt year? He was no, no, no. no. He was he interim. interim he was Tisha, interim right? during the Mora year, baby. Because oh, that's when they fired okay, Mora. So, I mean, well, Mora so they, was, they. That's right. He was he was god awful as head coach after Mora. Survived the Mora era and its downfall. Survived Ditka. And lasted all the way with with Hazlitt, and then joined Hazlitt in St. Louis. So we had to put up with a god awful coach in this organization for over a decade. So that's what it was um, when they fired Moore and they fired the whole staff of Mora, and they had Venturi as the interim coach. That's when it. That's when everybody was like, "I want him to stay because he's such a good guy and he did such a good job as interim coach." Um, yeah, you know, I, I'm I'm in. I'm in, Kevin. I, I'm going to jump on the Kevin bandwagon here, and I'm going to vote yes on Rick Venturi because he embodies ineptitude as a coach, and yet he was able to somehow survive being on three straight inept staffs to that's impressive without being fired. That's impressive. That's, impressive. It that's is bizarre. Yeah. How did he hang on to his job? That's bizarre. That's See, there you go. You just said it. That's bizarre. That's the bizarre old Mount Rushmore right there. So we got Venturi. Right we got Venturi. We got Tom Dempsey. We got Aaron Brooks. And we got John Meekham Jr. 
I think did we vote yes on Meekum? I think we got it two. We got two, I voted yes on Meekum, so we got. Okay. I thought so, I, I thought I voted no. So what did you vote, Andrew? Did on I Meekum? vote no. Yeah, he he was in my top four. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, that's the. Do we All have? Right, well, I'm, there I'm, we go. I'm, I'm open to switching my vote, though. If you guys come up with something. Well, is there anybody else? Is there any names, Andrew, that you feel like we need to at least discuss? Uh, I mean, come on, really on, that's a big one. Still yeah, I mean, Toy Cook just is no. a guy that. Yeah, I mean, just because Toast Cook, I mean, the guys like J- Jason David, does he have a place in this conversation? Oh, he's so sh- he's he's so his time was so short. I just I, I don't. I, it's a good discussion, but I, no, he's not. He's not Bizarro. When you okay. When, I mean, when you have as strong a case as you have for Dempsey and Venturi, you know, and, and Aaron Brooks, I, I think it's, I think, I think Jason David doesn't make it. But, but Kevin, you say there's a big one we're forgetting, and that's what I, I don't want to. That's the main thing I don't want. Well, people... well, well, no, well, no, no, no. I mean, the big one was Jason. The big one was Jason David. The big one was Jason David. He made everybody fucking forget Fred Thomas. Fred Thomas had some good years for the Saints. He just got old yeah, in 2006. Fred yeah, Thomas actually yeah, had some decent Fred, years. Fred, I know, but what I'm saying is Fred Thomas, Fred Thomas blowing chunks in, in, in that NFC Championship game I think is a huge reason why Jason David got signed. And in the second we got Jason David, Hell, I was all about holy fuck. We're we're, we're gonna we may have a shot at getting to the Super Bowl this year. We just we just dumped dead weight. We signed a guy from Indianapolis. This guy's great. This is gonna be awesome. And then by week four, I was slamming my nuts in the fucking utility drawer. Well, the interesting thing about Jason David was he's one of the. I mean, obviously it was a bad move by. The Saints to to you know to sign him to the offer sheet. They gave up a fourth round pick for him. They didn't pay him a ton of money. But the interesting thing about that, Andrew, is that's one of the few moves that you can really point to with the Saints and be like, that was kind of a panic move by Loomis because he was like their fourth choice at corner that they mm-hmm. wanted. They they brought in like Roger Hood. They couldn't get him signed, and it was like two other guys, and they didn't get him. And I feel like they were like, fuck, we need a corner, we need a corner, sign Jason David. And it's one of the few, like, panic moves, because that's the thing with Loomis, like you've always said, Andrew, they never really panic. They always sort of have their plan, and they just go down their list and like, okay, Carl Nix left, okay, we're going to go sign Ben Grubbs, and we're going to pay him this. And they never seem to be doing something that's panicky and giving up draft picks or signing a guy for way more than he should. And that's one of those moves where you're like, ah, the Saints kind of panic there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I still think, yeah, I, I still think we're just doing our, ourselves and the, this whole process, this whole exercise, a disservice if we're not kind of putting the face of the '70s and early '80s and you know, in the late '60s. So, um, I mean, unless you guys can convince me that someone from that era makes more sense than Meekum. Um, I, I think I'm still sticking yeah, to that. I mean, I mean, no, I'm, no, I'm fine with the four we got. I'm fine. I mean, I the thing is for me, you just you 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 had to you you have to have somebody that when you say their name, it makes Saints fans cringe about the 
67 to 80. And that's, you know, I, I nominated, Erk, you could say Erksleben is that player, but John Meekham, like you said, Andrew, he has the, the length of time where Erksleben doesn't. Erksleben just kind yeah. of ties into the Saints' incompetence. I mean, Erksleben was such a bad choice that they didn't have a kicker get picked in the first round again until, Jen, until Jenikowski got picked in 2000. Yeah. I mean, he basically made everyone gun-shy for decades. So. You know? And that's um, the th- and that's the thing you can, you can you you can't really make fun of the Janikowski pick because he may be a Hall of I mean he's borderline Hall of Fame kicker I mean that when you pick a kicker yeah. in the first round he's got to be Hall of Fame when you pick a kicker eleven he's got to be fucking Jesus Christ with a bare foot I mean it just but but Meekum I'll agree with Meekum so I guess I guess that's the Mount Rushmore um, I would say if you it crossed the cabin for the Venturi idea. I mean that yeah, that is gold, man. That is gold. I would say if you if you, it, personally, Kevin, if if we've got the Mount Rushmore, but you can only pick one that sort of embodies everything bizarre about the Saints. Which one of the four would be your choice? I think I probably have. To, I, I might have to go with Venturi because you're looking at you're looking at. No, no, I'm I, because and I'm thinking about this because you're looking at incompetent coaching and terribly just a terrible track record, consistently terrible, and the ineptitude of ownership and 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 team and team management in keeping his sorry ass around for so long. So I feel like it just hits, it, it, it just, it just fucking hits everything. Terrible coaching, uh, you know, apparently terrible fucking players during that time or, or guys that couldn't, uh, couldn't get shit done. And he cultivated that and ownership and management didn't, didn't get rid of him. Andrew, who's your choice? Uh, for me, it's probably it's probably Aaron Brooks, just because um, for me he, he's the most polarizing and controversial player in, in Saints history by far. I mean, the most most controversial controversial figure. Um, you know, he he got you know you talk about how Eric Sklaven and your your dad's generation and how there's a you know some frustration and anger and and you know just a deep sigh of, of pain um, when his name's brought up, but um, man, if if you want someone's blood to boil in New Orleans, um, Aaron Brooks, bring up Aaron Brooks, and that that's still such a fresh wound for so many people, even after winning a Super Bowl. And um, you can and, not, and you that, can, and you can make a strong case for Aaron Brooks. Aaron Brooks deserves to be in the Saints Hall of Fame. I mean, certainly his statistics are are very good, and uh, you know, I mean. You know, I don't really need to rehash the whole thing. You know, I, we all know yeah. the history behind Aaron Brooks, but you know, I think part of part of you know New Orleans being in the Deep South and you know the racial tension that exists in the city and the face of the franchise being a black quarterback that um, put up great statistics, was physically incredibly gifted, but um, struggled with turnovers and. Uh, wasn't a great leader and uh, really, really frustrated the fan base with, you know, his reaction to some turnovers. Um, you know, that that's all that all makes up Aaron Brooks. And, and you know, so there's as much as people want to put him down and act like he was the worst thing ever, 
there were a lot of positives about him. Ultimately, not enough positives to outweigh the negatives, and he wasn't able to put it all together because of the shortcomings. But um, I think it's him just because of the controversy that surrounded him and the division it caused in the fan base. Yeah, and I would say this. He's the second-best quarterback in Saints history. Uh, He won a playoff game. He's got better numbers than anyone you know the interesting the thing i think i think it's there's a little bit of the racial thing andrew with aaron brooks and i'm going to say aaron brooks as well there's a little bit of that but i think the main thing that drove saints batty about aaron brooks was it wasn't the racial thing and it wasn't so much that he wasn't a a leader and and i think the thing that drove saints fans crazy was his first year when he came on the scene and looked fantastic and the Saints won a playoff game, there was a real sense that he was something special. Mm -hmm. And he could run, he could throw, and it was like he only started eight games or whatever it was, threw four touchdowns in a playoff game. He's only going to get better and grow into it. We finally have our franchise quarterback that we've been wanting forever, maybe since Archie. We've finally got the guy, and the next 10 years are going to be awesome. We have Aaron Brooks. We have this young coach, and Jim has it, this young GM. We have this really good pass-rushing defense that's a force. The next 5 to 10 years are going to be awesome, and it never got better it got worse. And I think the reason why Saints fans turned on him so viciously is because he had given them so he had given us so much hope in two thousand and it just didn't materialize. And then we were like, God, I hate you so much, Aaron Brooks. Well, I think the the smiling after a pick. But see the smiling know. the smiling after a pick when he first came it, the thing I will say about Aaron Brooks is that never changed because I can still remember because I had it on tape for a while. His first game he ever started against the Rams, he was in the tunnel coming out laughing, smiling, joking, and everybody's like, oh, man, he's young, he's loose, the pressure doesn't get to him. I like his loose attitude. But then when he kept doing it, when he was throwing picks, people were like, that bastard doesn't give a fuck. So I will give that to Aaron Brooks. Is he never changed the expression? We just viewed it differently. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. But, you know, ultimately, I just think um, when you're a leader and you're, you're, you know, well, he wasn't a very good leader, but, you no, know, when, when, when you're, you're the face of the franchise and, you know, you, you've got to have different reactions to different things, you know, and, and certainly, I mean, Breeze is a master of it. You watch Breeze and how he handles every situation differently and does the right things at, at the perfect time in almost any scenario, you know, and Brooks, Brooks just wasn't born with that. Some guys have that instinctively and, you know, Brooks just isn't that kind of guy. So, the, 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 and I'll say this and then we'll get to the, we'll get to Kevin Iron Eagle Held's entr- entrance music round two. Uh, the interesting thing about Aaron Brooks was he went from the Saints to the Raiders the next year, started for the Raiders and was out of the league. And you just think about all the quarterbacks that were backups that hung on for years and years. And for him to just, boom, be out of the league like that was just was just bizarre. Another reason why he should be on the bizarro Mount Rushmore. So, uh, yeah, I like to, you know, we know what Cal, Cal Turley told me about that a long time ago was, though. He, he told me that um, 
the injury that Brooks had, you know, the season where everyone was clamoring for Jake DeLong to come in, um, was a very, very serious injury to his throwing shoulder. He got surgery. Uh, the surgery was not done properly. I don't know if he had to go back in or if he had more Ooh, problems yeah. with it the following season. So he tried a quarterback with the Saints the following season, fell off a cliff. Todd Todd Bauman came in to start, and that was the 3-13 and Katrina year. And then he went to the Raiders the following year, and his arm wasn't still wasn't right. Um, and so teams are just like, not only does this guy, you know, is he poor character or not a good yeah. leader, but his, his arm shot. And that was the one thing he had. So. Oh, God. We could, we could go into that whole thing about the Saints not play, full, still playing him when his shoulder was shot and injured. That that could be a whole podcast. But That's a whole podcast right now. That is. But, Kevin, we are on to round two of the entrance music. So you have the bracket in front of you. What bracket are we doing uh, today for round two? Uh, I, I I will let this be a uh, uh, a uh, well I I can't say dealer's choice because technically speaking I'm the dealer since I'm the one fucking reading this but I'll let this be a uh, player's choice and we can go with uh, the from the top of the cage which was the first one we did uh, from parts unknown which was the second one we did the oh my god region or the outside interference region which is the one we did last week. Let's. I'd say let's go top of the cage, Andrew. What do you yeah. think? Okay. Yeah, top, top to bottom. Yeah. Top to bottom. All right. All right. All right. Then we'll do that. All right. So, and we'll start from. We'll start with the number one seed, One Vision, by Queen, going up against the eight seed, Go by Pearl Jam. Oh, you want Ralph? Me to... Why don't you lead us okay. off? Okay. This is a tough one. <laughs> this is a tough one. Um. I think I like I think I'm going to go Pearl Jam here just because I I don't think these are either one of these is a particularly good fit for what you're going to do. I'm going to go Pearl Jam because I know you like Pearl Jam and I just think I don't know one vision is it it's I feel like it's a good anthem song for some sporting events, but for wrestling intro music, I just don't see it. So I'm going to go Pearl Jam. Andrew? Um, you know, if you, it, this would actually be a tougher choice for me if you asked me Bohemian Rhapsody because of the strange <laughs> intro. Oh, which, that would be. You know, we talk, about how, we talk about how we want something really weird for Kevin. But, um, yeah, unfortunately... Uh, we, Queen's done. We, I'm going with the upset. Pearl Jam. Kevin, you're going to make it a sweep? Uh, uh, I, I, I'm thinking I'm going to make it a sweep because I'm realizing that One Vision... I, I, see, I think One Vision would work for entrance music, but it would work for entrance music if I were being a good guy. Yeah, and you're not and a good guy. Since, and, and since... Since I've had the trainer tell me I don't see you as a good guy, and since I've had the one the 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 one of the uh, other pro wrestlers that trains with us say, yeah, there's no way you, there's no way I look at you and think good guy. Uh, I got to get rid of that, and so I got to go with uh, go. All right. So what? All right. So the next. Well, the, the one the one other thing I want to say about go two things real quick. Um. Number one, well, Pearl Jam is awesome, obviously, but 
Well, yes, um, there's profanity. There's profanity in the song. That's good. Uh, numerous F-bombs, which is always appreciated. Uh, and number two, uh, the lyric, suppose I abused you, um, ties in very nicely with Kevin ab- abusing his prey um, on on the wrestling mat. So mm. hmm. continue. Yeah. Uh, yes, thank you. Uh, the next matchup is going to be the five seed, Stink Fist by Tool. First, the four seed, Where Is My Mind, by the Pixies. Huge. I will let you, I will let you get your, uh, get your boner out on this one and uh, go to work. (laughs) I mean, is there any question what I'm going with here? There's no doubt whatsoever. And I think I actually know what Kevin, I mean, what Ralph's going to pick. So I think it's going to come down to Kevin, but um, obviously I'm picking Tool, Stink Vest, um, the Rift just rips your face off from the very first minute of the song. It's intense. It's, um, again, that's drop D tuning, which Tool likes to do a lot. And um, the song just kicks you in the face, and it's a tongue-in-cheek lyrical composition that references uh, fisting. Um, So, uh, you know, if we're going for the deranged... uh, scary, bizarre Kevin that's going to strike fear in his opponents, not with his intimidating physical presence, but with his fucked up, distorted mind, um, which has crazy thoughts um, and enjoys torture, then I think this is going to be a better better fit than a Pixies tune, which just kind of feels, you know, like a more of an 80s bubblegum pop rock song. Yeah, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. Pixies one because I love them, and uh, two, I want Kevin to make a decision and make have to make the call. And three, I just think the Tool song, Andrew, it's it's so good. Stink Fist is so good, but I feel like it's a little bit too over the top for what Kevin coming into the ring. I just I don't think it's quite. There's no good. such thing. Well, I mean, for Ke- I just feel like it doesn't match up with Kevin necessarily. So I'm going to go Pixie. So Kevin, you have to break the tie. All right, you want me to break the tie? I'm going to break the tie. Uh, I'm going to go with the Pixies. Ooh. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the agony of defeat. Um, yeah, I, I just, I just think that. Uh, I mean, fuck, the, the title right there says, it tells you right there, where is my mind? I mean, you know, people, you know, if it, I mean, let's say this was the song. People hear this, they immediately think Fight Club, and then they see me, and they're like, oh, this, this fucker's coming out to get his ass kicked. <laughs> and, you know, I go out there, sure, I'm going to get my ass kicked, but I'm going to keep diving at you, and I'm going uh, to fucking catch you. I'm gonna catch you and I'm gonna bleed on you and I'm gonna make you uh, quit. I'm gonna bleed. I'm gonna bleed on you. Yeah. Where is your mind? Uh, who know? Who knows these days? All right. Um, the next matchup is the and and I the, yeah I'll, I'll I'll refrain commentary from saying anything. The six seed. It's a long way to the top by ACDC versus the fourteen seed. God's gonna cut you down. By Johnny Cash. Uh, Ralph, I'll let you lead off on this one. You see, this one's easy. You yeah. gotta go with the man in black. Especially 
if you're going to be a villain, when you get royal, when you're all roided up, probably like by next March or April, you can get royal, you see, I can picture it, you can get roided up, and you can get, then you can get oiled up, and you could wear like black pants, and a tuxedo jacket with a tail. And you can have the Johnny Cash music play. And you can even have you can even get the YouTube clip where they show all the dead gangsters. God's gonna cut you down. You could play that on the Jumbotron or the little thirty inch TV when you're in the in a barn somewhere in uh Missouri on a Wednesday. Yeah. <laughs> so I just think it's gotta be Johnny Cash there. Gotta be. Okay, uh, do, do you want to go or do you want me to go? Uh, you, go ahead. Go ahead. All right, I'm I'm going with God's going to cut you down because again, I think it's just a great, uh, I think it's a great entrance song. I, I think it would work whether whether you're a good whether I was a good guy or a bad guy, and you know if it's if if. I mean, and you can see it from both sides, whether you're a good guy or a bad guy. And I think it works because, even as a bad guy song, because it's straightforward, it's not loud, it's not obnoxious, it's not trying to be in your face. It's just simply a matter of fact. It's, 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 you know, I mean, shit, think of that, uh, at first Tales from the Crypt movie, (laughs) Where 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 the bad guy uh, Billy Zane wasn't really running after the good guy. He was just kind of walking after him, and he was going to catch him, and he knew he was going to catch him, and he just kept going after him, and that was it. It's just a straightforward determination. Nothing's getting in my way, and if it does, I'm just going to go around it or over it or through it, and I'm going to get you. <laughs> and there's nothing you can do about it. Well, interesting. So uh, that will it, th- that wraps up the quick bracket of this, huh, Kevin? The uh... well, no, no. Well, no, well, one, we didn't get Juge to say if it was a unanimous oh, yeah. or not. So Juge, chime in. Yeah, it's unanimous. And uh, the one thing I will say, Ralph, is that uh, you keep referencing Kevin on roids. I do. It's my go-to I, joke. I, I I, I'm running that, it into the ground. I, that's not what I picture. That that that's. I, I don't want Kevin on roids. I, I don't think. He's ever getting to a point where he's lifting weights and bulking up and and being bigger than any of these other guys that are randomly around St. Louis and signing up for wrestling. Uh, if anything, if if if, if Kevin's going to start injecting something, I would prefer it to be heroin. You know, I picture him being a, a drug addict, <laughs> strung out. You know, he maybe loses 15, 20, 25 pounds. And he just shows up, and he's just skin and bones, and you know he's got that, he's got the the pin eyes, you know the dead eyes. And well, then he addict, needs to have you know Special K addict. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, play if, if there's any addicts that are listening to the pot, this podcast, you know what I'm talking about? Those dead eyes, <laughs> and and you know his opponent. At, at first, he looks at Kevin, and he and he thinks to himself, "Well, I mean, this guy is 140 pounds soaking wet. I'm I'm going to break him in half." But he's but playing. He but he's wrestling for heroin money, so he might fucking kill. Right, him. right. But then he sees his eyes, and he's like, "Oh shit! Is this guy carrying a knife? You know, is he gonna stab me? Um, you know, is he gonna 
is he going to bite my ear off? Like, well, what is this guy going to do? Tyson style. So I, th- that's how I picture Kevin, not, not roided up and, and all aggro. Um, but, uh, so, but I still think the whole cash thing, especially if he's going to be a heroin addict, it plays him perfectly because, um, we, we all know that, uh, cash is a fan of the H train. So yeah, not God's going to cut you down for sure. It's unanimous. It is. So that's one bracket, and we're mo- we're moving we're moving oh, along. Well, actually, no, 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 we're missing one last uh, okay, match. One last one. Yeah, the ten, the ten, the two seed Lunatic Fringe by Red Rider going up against the ten seed Symphony of Destruction by Megadeth. And I will go first in this one, and I will say I like the two seed Lunatic Fringe by Red Rider. Uh. I, I, I can't even give a uh, good reason for it. I just really like the song. And I'm a sucker for the 80s, so there you go. Uh, Jude, why don't, why don't you go next? I'm picking Megadeth. And uh, the the beginning, I mean, the riff is great, first of all. It's just kind of, you know, it's a very aggro, quick riff. But uh, the, the first lyric as he start, starts the song is, you know, you... Uh, take a mortal man, you put him in control and watch him become a God. Um, and so basically it's just about, you know, a transformation to, um, you know, anytime you give a human too much power, um, they're basically going to turn around and destroy everything. Um, and so, uh, I, but, but there's also an element of, uh, underestimating someone too you know, tied into that. And so that, that's, that's what I feel like plays in nicely with Kevin. Um, you know, the, the, the roided up 250 pound opponent, not Kevin, not, not roided up Kevin, but the, the roided up opponent takes a look at Kevin, maybe doesn't, um, you know, mis, misinterprets what he's going up against, but then Kevin goes for, for the balls. He goes for the jugular he pulls out the knife. He, uh, you know, he, does whatever it takes to win, and the 250-pound roided-up guy is laying on his back at the end of the battle and the symphony of destruction, and Kevin just stands over his carcass and laughs at him. Yeah, that's a... I mean, I think Megadeth, too. I mean, it's it's just... It's two good songs that I just feel like... And I think the Megadeth... Whereas if you would have done it in a certain time period, it would have been cliche, but it, enough time has passed to where people would be like, oh, what the fuck is that? So I think I think it's Megadeth by far. Okay. Well, there we go. The, uh, the, your, your, uh, your next uh, – the, the, the four songs coming out are Go, Where Is My Mind, God's Gonna Cut You Down, and Symphony of Destruction. Man, that's a that's – a, that's a, that's a, that's str- solid. That's, that's a strong regional final, and that's not even – I don't even think that'll be the strongest final set of four. And that's – Canal Street Chronicles is going to be voting the, – there'll be a poll voting for these matchups coming up, am I correct? Yeah. Yeah. So. Yes. Uh, yeah, once we establish who the uh, – who the what, what is this going to be? The, the Sweet 16 are, uh, Canal Street Chronicles will be chiming in. And based on the comments every time we post one of these podcasts – I'm sure it'll still be fucking three votes making the decision. You know, people are like, I see people in the comments are like, get the hint. I'm like, and then I, I always go in the comments like, what the fuck do you people want? 
you, you know what? I'm going to tell you right now, people. You want us talking about this wrestling intro music? Because if we're not talking about this wrestling intro music, we're probably talking about a Saints player getting arrested. And you don't want that. So you want three, four more good weeks of wrestling intro music. That's all I'm yeah, getting. Yeah, last, last year it was all Bounty Gate all the time. Yeah. You don't want that. You don't want freaking... We don't want the Saints player like Aaron Hernandez getting arrested. Should you know? <laughs> my wife, she said more people let her down because Aaron Hernandez is Mexican. <laughs> she finally get a Mexican player making millions of dollars, and what does he do? <laughs> she says, "Hey, my wife. This is my wife." She says, what happens? You give a Mexican player $40 million, and what does he have to do? Get a shank. <laughs> That's great. You said Ralph's wife is the best. She is. She just tells it like she sees it. But if she ever gets famous, if, if she ever gets famous, she's going to be like Paula Dean, and they're going to come after her. <laughs> Once she said, like, 20 years ago. If she becomes like a world famous wedding, pl- they're gonna come. If she becomes like a world famous wedding planner. Yeah. So, but um, that's what I'm saying, people. You want us talking about this wrestling bracket, but but what, we've already gone an hour. So what's another five or ten minutes yeah. more? Andrew, the Aaron Hernandez thing. All I can say is it totally burst the fucking bubble of the the Patriot way and all this. Don't give me this bullshit about they. They stressed about cutting. Any team would have done what they did today, I think. And uh, that it's tone that it that it. I mean, it's a it's a murder and it's a serious thing and it somebody lost their life. So we're not gonna joke about that. But on a football related to note, I'm not gonna lie and say I love it that they're not gonna have Aaron Hernandez and they're probably not gonna have Gronkowski and they lost Wes Welker. So they may slide back into the nine ten win range. I find that very, very exciting as a Patriot hater. Yeah, I mean, I, I wish this was something like this was happening to the 49ers. <laughs> if I've got to pick a team, you know, I, I'd rather it be in the NFC. Um, in effect, uh, you know, either the 49ers or in the Falcons. I mean, if, if Roddy White were able to make an egregious mistake like this, um, obviously, you know, I – I mean, I'm just saying, if I could pick who it was going to be, obviously I can't. But um, no, I, I mean, I, it's interesting. We, we've seen the tight end position really how that offense works um, the last few years, and so now you're taking away their top two, their top two guys, and a guy in Wes Welker who um, basically was the, that offense's top receiver. So now. Now you've really got Amendola, who hasn't been able to stay healthy for more than a five-game stretch, really, in his career. Um, and that's that's really who they're counting on at this point to kind of shoulder the load. And so if he goes down, um, I mean, Brady's always going to be good, but we know that that defense is struggling and they're kind of in rebuilding mode. And uh, now they're going to have a bad cap hit this year, and their cap hit is going to be even worse next year because of the contract they gave Hernandez. So it's going to be hard to overhaul that defense, uh, which is really where they struggle right now and the reason why they're not getting back to the Super Bowl. So that that's tough, man, on the Patriots. And, uh, yeah, it's too bad they're not in the NFC. Um, yeah. But, so yeah, I, mean, I, I don't really feel like this affects the Saints 
you know, I mean, they got to get to the Super Bowl to face an AFC team anyway. So yeah, but Kevin, um, the, yeah, the interesting thing about this is is we we put Bill Belichick and the Patriots up on a pedestal for being a genius, and I'm just talking about football moves now. They gave Aaron Hernandez. They knew he was a character risk coming out of college. He would have been probably a late first, early round, early second round pick. The Patriots got him in the fourth because of his off the field concerns. You know, he was had issues at Florida. He was sort of connected to gangs a little bit, so he was a risk coming out of college. And he had done well with the Patriots for two years, but. They they didn't have to give him that forty three million dollar extension, Kevin. They gave him that extension. He only played two years. He had two more years to go on his current contract. If the Patriots are so brilliant at personnel moves, how could they not know he was in their building every day for two years? How could they not know that he was a huge risk to give a giant contract to? I mean, well, I, I mean, shit. You're talking about the the team that. I mean, they brought in Corey Dillon, and Corey Dillon had, had apparently had had issues. Yeah. But they brought him in thinking, oh, we can handle this. And they were, and they ended up winning the Super Bowl, and he was straightened out. They brought in Randy Moss. Everybody knows Randy Moss had issues. And they almost won a fucking Super Bowl with him. So, you know, what's, and what's the point in, I mean, what's the harm in bringing in Another troublemaker, you know. We got the locker room to be able to handle this guy, right? So, but would wouldn't you? Shit, maybe. But wouldn't you I mean, realize that to? But why sign him early? Why give him the extension now? Why not wait? I why? mean, because may, because maybe they were thinking, well, this if this guy if this guy screws up, he's going to screw up soon, and and then we can just get rid of him, and you know they just. They plunk down the money too soon, I guess. I, I, I think the thing that bothers me most isn't even Patriot-related. The, the thing that bothers me most is all the media people jumping on this whole thing like, oh, Peter King stands out. He fucking tweets something like, this, you know, they, they, this, is what, you know this is what happens when you draft a guy in the, in the fourth round. Or something to that effect. And I'm thinking, what the fuck is that got to do with anything? I mean, Marcus, you know, and I I love you being able to use this as the example. Mar- Marcus Colson was nearly fucking Mr. Irrelevant, and you don't hear shit about this guy. I mean, you have to fucking hold uh, hold your finger under his nose to make sure he's he's awake at times. I can't remember. He doesn't fucking say anything. I can't he remember no anything, anything. I can't remember anything Marcus Colson has ever said. In his eight years with the Saints, literally. I mean, he's he's seriously about as fucking boring as as a as a city councilor in fucking Podunk in in, in fucking uh, Podunk nowhere. I mean, seriously, what, what, whatever the city is, whatever the town is in fucking parks and recreation, he's he sounds like he belongs on uh on on the city council there. I mean, Pawnee, sorry, Pawnee, Indiana. And, and and that's great. I, I'm perfectly happy with with that. With that, I am perfectly happy with that. I don't need the guy being flashy. I don't need any of that shit. But to make it sound like, well, they draft him, so duh. No, it's it, it, it ain't the fucking draft. It's not this. It's not that. The Patriots took a fucking flyer on him. They fucked up, obviously, giving this clown shoe that much money. 
But, you know, maybe Aaron Hernandez shouldn't be hanging out with certain people. Maybe he shouldn't allegedly shoot people. And maybe he shouldn't allegedly obstruct justice. Allegedly. 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 Well, you know, I mean, who doesn't have their security system get uh, destroyed and uh, have a cleaning crew come to their house and have their cell phone get broken to 30 pieces? Who doesn't have them? That happens on the same day all the time. So, I mean. Allegedly. Allegedly. Um, Andrew, I'll give you I'll give you the final. I'll give you the final word on this. And it. But a question first, does this make NFL teams even more intrusive and creepy with their with their questions at the combine now? Yes, maybe. Um, I, I think NFL teams are I, – I, I think this is such an outlier, though. I mean, any time that this is fresh on people's minds, it's going to spook uh, teams, it's going to spook fans, it's going to spook – I mean, there's not many NFL guys that are going around shooting people execution style. I mean, this is a total outlier, and, and obviously there's something horribly, horribly wrong with Aaron Hernandez, assuming he's guilty, which, you know, obviously he's, has, hasn't been proven yet. But, um, no, I, I think my – look, first of all, the average NFL career is three years. So they got out of a fourth-round pick, which is middle of the road, you know, you never know how a fourth-round pick is going to go. I mean, fourth-round picks for the Saints in recent history have not been good and not been kind to them. So uh, they got two fantastic years out of Aaron Hernandez, and I think if you ask them why did you invest so much money in them before his contract was up, um, I think their fear was, well, we're giving Gronkowski all this money. We're scared shitless he's going to want the same amount, A, and B – um, you know, there's always two schools of thoughts with guys that are outperforming their contracts. Do you give him a nice raise now where he isn't going to ask for more later, or do you let him put out his contract and then you're like a Drew Brees scenario where he has his best year of his career and his contract year, and then you've got to pay him even more yeah. than you would have if you hadn't paid him in like year two. So yeah. I think that's the response that – um, the Patriots would have given you, and there's there's merit to that. I don't think there's any right or wrong way to approach contracts in general with how you do business. I can tell you that there's no way in hell Mickey Loomis would have given him that contract at that point because that's not how Mickey Loomis does business. And, you know, sometimes you win. Pierre Thomas is a perfect example, had a horrible ankle injury, had made major surgery, and – he was able to get Pierre Thomas at much less than he wanted um, because of it. So Pierre Thomas is still in the Saints playing for a very reasonable contract because of that injury. And uh, that's where um, Loomis's policy kind of hit Yahtzee. Um, Breeze is an example of where it didn't work out so well and they had to give him the richest contract in NFL history, whereas if they had extended him maybe two years prior, um, it potentially would not have cost that much. Um, but that's how Mickey Loomis does business. And so sometimes it's going to bite you and sometimes it's not. Um, in this Aaron Hernandez case, um, if he had been playing for the Saints, which I would hope he never would have because they would have um, X'd him off as a draft option based on his character alone. Um, but if he had been on the Saints, he wouldn't have sniffed the new contract until his contract year, at which point if he had made a mistake like this, 
it wouldn't have been a horrible cap hit. So, um, I mean, that that's the main thing. I, I mean, I almost feel bad for the Patriots. I mean, I don't feel that bad for them, but um, from, a, from a pure just football and on the field and the cap, um, they're going to get the prorated amount of that bonus hit them in one fell swoop next year. And so I think, I think he counts about $7 million against the cap next year, which is basically just going to be dead weight that they can't use. Um, so that's tough. That's tough when you've got $7 million tied up on a guy that's basically sitting potentially in death row. Yeah. It will – final note before we go. It will be interesting if he, if, if he does skate – on this, which you never know, it's possible. If he would skate on this, would an NFL team sign him? That would be interesting, you know. Goodell, hey, if he if he gets off, I'm really interested in, in seeing what Goodell does. Well, it'll be interesting. Well, the thing is, he would pro- if he gets off, he could get off on the murder charge, but he could still he could still go to jail for those gun. Violations. Yeah, but the gun violations would only be so probably young. two to three years. Look, if Vic got another chance, if Stallworth got another chance, if Lewis was um, adored by the Baltimore public, I mean, I realize this is much, much worse. Well, you know, I mean, it's worse because there's intent than the Stallworth situation. But Stall, I mean, a man's dead. The end result yeah. is insane. Someone died. Um, now, this this was much worse. Obviously, this wasn't. Uh, manslaughter, vehicular manslaughter with a guy that was jaywalking. This is, you know, first-degree murder potentially um, with numerous, you know, execution-style bullets in the guy's back and chest. So this is obviously much, much worse. But, um, you know, if if he gets off, if if it ends up being a Ray Lewis scenario where he kind of sort of gets off and he maybe gets suspended for a year or two, um, he's still a physical freak. He's only 22. Um, and I, I think, you know, I, everyone's all about second chances, and if you're talented and young enough and you can help a football team, um, we'll, we'll give you a chance. So, yeah, he'll he'll play in the league again if he gets off. Kevin, go ahead. He has to, he has to apologize to Tony Dungy, though. Yeah, he does. <laughs> yeah, he will. He'll have to. He'll have to. He'll have to fly to Tampa. And um, genuflect and um, hire Tony Dungy as his um, mentor because that's that's step one in rehabilitation. I'm surprised I'm surprised Sean Payton didn't have to travel to Tampa to apologize to Tony Dungy to get reinstated. Well, actually, I'm surprised uh, outside the lines hasn't dispatched somebody to New Orleans to try and find the connection between Aaron Hernandez and the Saints. So. Oh, Lord, Lord. All right, on that note, for Kevin Hell, yep. for Andrew Juge, for our fearless leader who uh, is um, probably out uh, eating some wildly either expensive meal in New Orleans or he's eating at some hole in the wall and paid $3 for, like, the best cheeseburger in the history of the world, Dave Cariello. I'm Ralph Marlboro. Uh So long until next week. <laughs>